Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the New Wave Podcast. We're here on episode six, and today we have someone outside of the Queens community, Kevin Courtney. He takes pictures, he takes videos, and he has his own production company. If you like partying and you like homecoming, then stick around because Kevin's going to talk about how that jump started his career. So let's jump in the pool, baby. Welcome back to episode six of the New Wave podcast. My name's Harry Range here with my co-host, as per usual, Mike and Anglis. And our special guest this week is Kevin Courtney from British Columbia right now. We have him on the phone. How's it going, Kevin? Pretty good, guys. How are you guys doing? Good, good. So I guess we'll start off by telling our listeners who you are um, and kind of how you got involved with your company, KC Productions. Yeah, so uh, like you said, my name is Kevin Courtney. Um, I run KC Productions based out of Toronto, Ontario. Um, yeah, kind of a funny story uh, how things got started. I guess I'll start from the very beginning if you guys want. Um, so basically, uh, you know, growing up, I'd always been interested in photo and video. And, um, you know, as like a, a young kid, my parents were always either like filming me or taking photos. And I think naturally that kind of like fostered a curiosity with film. Um, and when I got to school, um, uh, I got to university at uh, St. FX University in Nova Scotia, and uh, it was the first time in my life where sports weren't a big part of my life. Um, growing up, I was always playing football and rugby and baseball, and uh, getting to university was kind of like a bit of a culture shock, I guess, in terms of not being an athlete anymore. Uh, and luckily, I had this creative passion to kind of funnel my energy into, Um and so I still wanted to be around sports, so started kind of photographing the football team a little bit. And then uh, in my second year, um, I decided I was going to make a montage-style homecoming video um, that kind of showed, you know, how fun homecoming was at X. I had a lot of friends at Western and even Queens who, you know, would say, like, St. FX is a small school and it's not a good time. And I just <laughs> kind of wanted to show people that that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, so yeah, I made this, uh, homecoming video and, uh, put it online and then, um, it, it slowly kind of blew up. Um, these aren't like big numbers, but St. FX has a population of 5,000 students uh, and in six hours it had 6,000 views. Like everybody on campus was talking about it. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, I remember like I went out that night even and, and people were coming up to me being like, did you make the homecoming video? Like all of a sudden it was like the big talk on campus. Um, <laughs> So, um, this girl, um, Megan Wright, who is now a good friend and a fellow filmmaker, she, uh, she messages me and she goes, Hey, uh, did you make the homecoming video? We saw it. Uh, we could get you a job on the video team if you want. And I was like, Oh, like, yeah, like, that'd be awesome. Like hit me back when you have more information. So she hits me back like an hour later and she's like, uh, so we talked to our boss. He saw the video he hated it. Uh, can, you, can you take it down? And I was like, um, yeah, but like get him to contact me. Like I'm not doing this broken telephone stuff. Like get him to contact me and tell me to take it down. Right. So I'm sitting waiting, like kind of nervous at this point. Cause now the school is obviously wanting it down. They're not happy with the way it's painted, uh, the university. So 
sitting there waiting. No one's calling, and I decide I'm just going to make the first move. So I send them an email saying, heard you had problems with the video, would be more than happy to discuss it. So they email back, like, right away. They're like, get on campus within an hour. So... <laughs> I get to this guy, Mike's office, and uh, I knock on the door, walk in, and he spins around in his chair, and I'm like, hey, like, I'm Kevin, I made the homecoming video, and immediately, he, he's, like, not happy, he goes, why'd you do it? And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, why'd you make the video, like, why'd you do it? And I was like, uh, I just wanted people to see St. FX is a fun place. <laughs> he's like, in six hours, you've single-handedly ruined the reputation of this school. And I was like, okay, I think that, that might be a stretch, but uh, like more than willing to hear you out. And he's like, our whole morning has been dedicated to damage control on your video. Like we've had alum calling in asking why we put that video out. And I was like, well, I say in the video, like in no way affiliated with the university, like independent production, um, all these sort of disclaimers. And he's like, it doesn't matter. It's done to a quality where it looks like we did it. And I was like, okay. And he's like, look, we can't make you take it down. But it would make our lives a hell of a lot easier if you did. So I said, okay, it makes sense. Um, so I said, yeah, sure, like I'll take it down. And I go, I'll take it down, but um, I think you should offer me a job. And uh, he started laughing. I said, I'm not kidding. Like you just said yourself, it looked like it was of a quality that it came from you guys. If it's that good, you guys should hire me to work for the video team. And he kind of like hummed and hawed and said, give me some time to think about it. And then he hit me back and said, if I could re-edit the video with a positive spin to make it more of a, you know, something that the university actually could share, that they would basically use that as an audition and bring me on. Um, so did that. Um, they liked it. And then, yeah, started working for the video team. And that was kind of like initially how I got started in video. That's crazy. Did you have any yeah. previous experience making videos before that? Not really, honestly. I, uh, I had done like some high school courses. Um, I went to a private high school in Port Hope that had a really good ComTech program. So luckily I had exposure to some good cameras and um, programs like the whole Adobe suite was covered by the school. So um, I was really lucky in that sense. But yeah, pretty much up until that point, it was just kind of self-taught, just kind of playing around doing uh, doing different things. But yeah, no, no, no courses or anything like that at Cinefix. So where's that video now? So yeah, that video still lives on a Dropbox that uh, <laughs> that's like private, obviously uh, can't show it to people. But it's funny, actually. Like last year, I got a message from a kid on Facebook, and he goes, "Yo, this is really random and really weird, but did you make the homecoming video, homecoming video from like a bunch of years ago?" And I was like, "Yeah, I, I did." Like, what's up? He's like, "So when I was in grade twelve, I saw that homecoming video." And it was the first time I realized like St. FX was where I wanted to go. And now I'm about to graduate. And I was telling my friends about it and they hadn't seen it. So I was like, okay, I'll send you a link. But like, <laughs> you can't put this up anywhere. Um, but what was sweet was like that day when that video was blowing up, I remember putting the link into the search option on Twitter and I was seeing high school kids talk about it. And I was saying to the school as well, I was like, man, this is getting you publicity. Like people are saying they want to come here, maybe for the wrong reasons, but like, it's, it's <laughs> definitely right. getting you press. Um, but yeah, they weren't happy with that. So we took it down. <laughs> That's awesome. So what happened next when you were on the video team? What kind of work did you do there? So yeah, we did, um, we did general, like just event coverage around the school, but then luckily this is actually a bit of a funny connection. Um, that year, Steve Snyder, the former quarterback of the football team at St. FX had just come back, um, as the offensive coordinator. 
and he had seen the video and uh steve's an amazing recruiter i don't know if you guys know this steve just got hired as the head coach of queens um okay yeah so a little bit of a connection there um but Steve is an amazing recruiter, and uh, he saw the video, and I think he realized right away that there was potential to use that as a tool to show kids that, like, this is a fun place to be. This is where you want to uh, to come spend your four years, get a great education, but it's not this, you know, small school in the middle of nowhere that everybody thinks it is. So Steve contacted me and asked if uh, we could use the video and uh, had to tell him no, uh, but that I'd be more than willing to, you know, work on some stuff specifically for the football team. So we started doing that um, and made some really cool recruiting videos. Um, what we would do basically was we made this video that in each video we would customized for each player visiting the campus so we would have like their name on the end of the video and a little message from head of the athletics department and the president of the school and we would basically give them a tour of campus and the tour at the schwartz auditorium which is like the nicest auditorium in the business school at uh, st fx we would sit them down in this huge auditorium turn the lights off put the video on the projector with surround sound like crank it and then uh let them watch raise the lights at the end of the video and we would wait 10 seconds and nobody would say anything. We would just let it be quiet and let it kind of sink in. And then they would usually ask the kid, like if he wanted to sign a letter of intent, like I remember this one kid, <laughs> he's sitting there and we're like, yo, you like, you good? And he's wiping tears from his face. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm good. <laughs> and like, it was dope to see, you know, something like, don't get me wrong. It's the whole tour and the whole experience, but to see the video have an emotional impact on him and him immediately want to sign was like an awesome reward that's crazy so you basically yeah. gave these guys the blake griffin experience you know you hung up the, <laughs> the jersey gonna retire yeah. here all that <laughs> a similar experience i guess yeah so we did some projects like that um and yeah basically after school just to give you kind of a an idea of how this became a full-time gig um Basically, like when I was in summer of third year going into fourth year, I did an internship at a big tech company in Toronto. And uh, luckily, they had offered me full time after graduation. Uh, it was like a sales position, like suit job, nine to five in the city, um, which for me was always kind of like the goal. I always felt that that would be my future. Um, at St. FX, I studied business administration, seemed like a natural fit. Um, and then in my fourth year, the president of Cisco Canada moved to Rogers, Canada. And uh, a lot of my bosses moved with him or got fired and the whole upper management kind of got shook up. Uh, but all through that, I was like assured that, you know, I still had my job and everything, everything. And then two weeks before graduation, I get a phone call from the technology company and uh, they say, we've had some organizational changes. We're not hiring grads anymore. Oh. And so like, I'm literally rocked. Like, what the heck am I going to do? And so, uh, Luckily, I had some supportive parents, and they uh, they said, you know, if you want to take this opportunity to take a year and pursue your passion, like, you know, you can live at home. We're willing to support you through that. And, yeah, so that's what I did. And uh, after a year, I was making significant steps to towards achieving my long-term goals. And, you know, it was, things were going too well to stop after a year. So, you know, I said, give it another year. And then after that, things were going even better. And then in the third year, things just, like, took off. And, uh, yeah, now doing what I love. So what, what were those first steps? So you just decided, I'm going to start a production company. Like, did people, I'm sure you already made clients or uh, connections just through working at X and all that, making all those videos. So how did you get that started? Did you launch a website and you're like, if you guys want to hire me, I'll take videos and pictures or what? 
Yeah, absolutely. So basically, started the website, uh, and then luckily, um, through some friends, uh, I got a connection with this company called Turtle Rabbit Travel. And uh, basically, if you've never heard of them or know what they are, they're essentially like pitching the Yacht Week. So you know how Yacht Week pitches, you know, the the European Mediterranean experience to North American students as like a week of convoying through the Med and partying. They basically do the exact same thing, except targeted at Brits and Aussies mm-hmm. and doing mm-hmm. an RV road trip experience. Okay. So you go to LA, you drive through the desert, you go to Vegas, you go to the Grand Canyon in a convoy of RVs, and basically you just you know have this two-week party. Um, and they were basically doing their maiden voyage and needed someone to take video content to use as a promotional material. And so went on that. That was like immediately after grad. Um, went on that trip, put together a video, took everything I had done at X and all the sort of videos I had taken in my off time, um, and made a demo reel. And then, yeah, started like reaching out to, to different companies, um, sharing my own stuff on social media, obviously like Instagram today is massive, especially, uh, in my industry. So we, uh, yeah, yeah. just started like reaching out to companies and, and getting work in the city, which was awesome. So it was really about building your brand and kind of like showcasing your portfolio. And then from there, I guess all the clients kind of come in, right? Yeah, I think I think for me, the biggest thing is network it is, you know, knowing people, um, getting your name out there, showing people what you can do. And then like ultimately, like now I'm here, you know, three years out um, doing KC Productions. And uh, like the biggest thing has been um, making relationships with agencies. Like a lot of agencies don't have in-house video teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, we'll outsource. And as a freelancer, you know, you don't have nearly as much carrying cost as say like a film house or, you know, a media agency or something like that. So if you can reach out to those other agencies that don't specialize in video content, you can give them a great deal. Then that's kind of like where the sweet spot is for freelancers I've found. Yeah. Do you work by yourself or do you have a team of people that you work with? So basically I've got a team of like 10 guys that I bring on, but also as freelancers. So on like a project to project basis. Okay. So there's no full-time staff, um, which is awesome for me because there's no carrying costs. Um, and as projects come in, basically I'll hit people up and say like, what's your availability on this day? We've got like a four or five man crew, whatever it may be. And then from there, you know, I'll just pay them on a project to project basis. Okay. And I guess, um, how much was your starting cost when you first started KC Productions? Was it just the camera equipment that you had? Yeah. So, so luckily for me, the, the starting costs were basically the website, um, just like buying the domain and then paying my subscription through Squarespace. Um, and then luckily I had a lot of my own equipment. Um, so that summer when I got home, I upgraded my camera, uh, that camera was probably like $2,000. And then I also brought a drone. Um, drone work at the time was like blowing up and just seemed like a great way to separate yourself from the pack. So yeah, I bought um, a better camera, a drone, and then yeah, started building my reel, advertising myself to different businesses. And yeah, really like overall, you know, starting cost was probably like $5,000. Um, and then yeah, off to the races. That's awesome. Yeah. So where do you see KC Productions going in the next five, ten years? Yeah, hope, hopefully, like, continuing on the same trend and continuing to grow. Like, ultimately, it would be cool to bring some people on full-time. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, the thing with what I do is it would also be sweet to, 
you know, go in and be a director on a roster somewhere, uh, like a film house or something. So there are a lot of different options, but I think ultimately the beauty of, you know, being an entrepreneur and then starting your own thing is the flexibility, right? Like this week I'm out in BC surfing for the week and I'm able to do that because I make my own hours and, you know, I can work from here and I love what I do. So, you know, people are hitting me up saying like, we need this revision, we need this edit. And like, I'm happy to do it while I'm on vacation because it doesn't feel like work. Like it's fun to me. I actually love what I do. Um, and then like, that's the beauty of freelance and, and working for yourself. You know, if you were to go to like a film house or an agency, you don't really have that same amount of flexibility. Right. That's awesome. Did you always know KC Productions was coming? Because I mean, what do you think would have, what would have happened if Cisco actually came through and you ended up working there? Yeah. Honest to God, no, like I didn't like the, the, the job at Cisco was super appealing to me and like when that got taken away i was like straight up devastated Mm -hmm. like that was a bad day (laughs) and uh like i always had my passion and and i always thought video and photo was like a hobby but never really a career and even before cisco like my parents are both entrepreneurs they've run a kitchen design and installation company for 30 years in toronto and like there was a time when you know the the idea was that i was going to take over the family business Mm -hmm. so you know it probably would have been that if it wasn't cisco um, maybe, you know, there was a time where I considered following my bosses to Rogers as well. Um, and, and if I'm perfectly honest, I think I would have been okay. Like, I think I still would have been happy. Like I did like my job. Um, but you know, th- there's the cliche, like everything happens for a reason. Like, I don't necessarily believe in that, but I do believe when one door closes, another door opens. And for me, like this was the preferred door and I didn't even realize it until it happened. You talked about um, because you are your own boss, you have a lot of flexibility. Um, do you find that sometimes that's um, hard to deal with? Like you have so much free time that you maybe you don't work as much as you should, or you don't take advantage of having all that free time. Um, I, I don't. I don't find that it's that way for for me at least. I mean, I'm pretty disciplined with my time, um, and I am pretty busy with shoots. So most of the time when I am home, I am editing or working on finding new business. There aren't many days where I'm just like, you know, I could see how some people might find it difficult to be motivated to keep working. Um, but I think when you are able to perfectly meld your passion with your business, you don't really get that stagnation. Like you don't, you're always wanting to progress and, and keep growing. So there's not really, I don't know. Like I, like I wouldn't, want to be sitting around doing nothing it's not like when i'm editing or working or anything that i'm not sitting there like oh i'd rather be doing something else like it's truly what i love so i'm lucky in that sense for sure what's the time easy to work hard what's the time commitment like per video or project like when you get a new client how, how long are you usually working on a specific project yeah, so, so it totally depends project to project. You know, I've done ones before where there's been a super quick turnaround and, you know, the clients wanted like a 30-second deliverable or something. And, you know, we shoot that weekend, finish that weekend. You know, there, there are some events that really want that quick turnaround. But then I've worked on broadcast commercials where, you know, we did the filming in the summer and we didn't get the, the ad done until the fall. Just by the nature of the beast, you know, when there are more hands involved, the process is just that much longer because you know everyone there are different approvals and things like that so it, it all depends on the scope of the project and what the ask is from the client right do you work on your own projects or are you too busy with clients work right now uh in terms of just like passion projects yeah just for fun yeah definitely um 
you know, if ever I have an idea or something that I think uh, will be cool for my portfolio or my reel, I'll, I'll work on that on the side whenever I've got free time. Um, yeah, totally. I think that's important. I think it's important not to get bogged down in just client work that, you know, maybe isn't as appealing. Like having, um, you know, a background in sports, I always love working on stuff that has to do with uh, whether it be like athletic apparel or sports brand, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, you do need those corporate videos or the things that may not be as, as flashy and glamorous to, to keep paying the bills. So it's important to, to do stuff that you find fun and, and entertaining as well. Mm-hmm. Switching switching gears. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, the fact that you do videos for a bunch of sports teams, you got to come down to Queens and hit my team up for sure. I mean, I'm, a, I'm on the men's basketball team here at Queens, so if we could get you to do something, that would be dope. Um, yeah, well, we're going to be working on something. Uh, I was talking to Steve, who's obviously now the head coach at uh, Queens Football, and we're going to cook up something uh, hopefully this year. Maybe it won't come out till next fall because, uh, I don't know, sometimes teams are weird because sometimes they want to use it for recruiting and they don't want to put it online right away. But, right. yeah, I'm going to be on Kingston soon, talking to Steve, coming up with some ideas, um, seeing what we can do. Cool. And then um... – I mean, we saw on your page that you were... You we did think a, this is your page. No, we know this is you. You're working with Andre DeGrasse and Gatorade. Can you talk about what that was like and that experience? Yeah, that was awesome, man. That was a great shoot. That was this summer. And um, actually, Andre first of was, all, first of all, sorry, before you get into it, how did you get this job? Um, yeah, so so um, once again, like the, this was a thing, a thing that came about through networking. Um, met some people who worked at PepsiCo. Um you know, showed them my work, um, let them know, you know, because I know that I was talking to somebody at a, a big brand and they were saying they use an agency. And I remember one day they said they had asked for a printout for a poster or something like that. And the agency had, you know, quoted them some ridiculous price. And they replied being like, is this really going to have to cost this much? And they brought the price down by like thousands of dollars. And they were like, what the heck? Like we are literally being abused. Um, <laughs> And I, I remember just saying, like, yo, I, I can definitely cut costs in terms of, like, saving you money where you would spend way more on an agency. And so showed them some of my work. And, yeah, um, Gatorade was interested in doing a video for uh, 5v5 soccer tournaments. And basically they wanted to use um, that event as sort of an audition. And so they brought me out. And uh, I did it for a rate that was way below my usual but sometimes there are situations where you've kind of got to bet on yourself or do something at cost or for free just to uh to get it for your portfolio or to show a client that you know you're the real deal and you can do what they're looking for right so did the 5v5 stuff they loved it and then yeah now Gatorade's like one of my bigger clients so in the summer Andre was around for a training session and uh they're doing these series of sweat test videos and wanted to do one with Andre so yeah we uh we got to film with him for a day which was a ton of fun and I was quickly humbled trying to keep up with him side by side <laughs> <laughs> how do you know how to value your service to all of your clients yeah that, that was one that was like really difficult to figure out in the beginning because coming out of school and, and here's the thing like at X I was getting paid you know like $20 an hour and you, you don't really know if that's real world standard or, or what you should be charging, um, once you're out. So that took me a while. Um, and it's funny, like I remember back at action business school, them telling us always like, you know, double your cost until your demand starts to decrease. And then you can kind of like figure out your sweet spot. But when you're building your network and your portfolio and you don't really have a constant stream of clients, it's hard to gauge 
where it should be. Like you can't just jack your price up and lose a client and then, you know, not know if that's the reason. And so for me, it was, it was a really tough process trying to figure it out. And it honestly just came from asking other freelancers, um, working on jobs, you know, if, if clients would come back on the first time without batting an eye at a price, sometimes I would wonder if maybe I had, you know, gone a little bit too low. I remember I did a commercial out for Fort McMurray tourism and, uh, they, all they wanted was drone work on my end and I quoted them a price which at the time I thought was like a lot of money and uh, they came back and they were like alright sweet yeah that's good and I was like oh damn like what did I do and then you know we got into it I got there and I got talking to a client I remember asking them I was like sorry if this is like rude or taboo and just tell me to shut up if this is uh, if this is an inappropriate question but like what was the overall budget for, for this ad for this commercial they're like oh for this one like thirty thousand dollars and i was like oh okay like i came in way below <laughs> like, like so so low so uh, yeah it's all just like a learning experience yeah and that's i mean we talk about all the time like you can learn so much in a business school you can read a book but you really don't get the true knowledge until you take action and start going through the process and so it seems like throughout your journey of casey productions you've really figured it out and and managed to be successful so yeah, 100%. I mean, even like when I was working at Cisco, I mean, I, I used to joke around and, and, you know, I might be embellishing a bit here, but I said, like, in my months at Cisco doing my inter- internship, I learned more then than I learned at school. Like, real world experience is just so valuable. Um, and it was part of the reason, like, when I came out, a lot of people asked me, like, you know, at a university, people asked me if I wanted to, uh, to explore film school options. And uh, it was enticing, but at the same time, I just felt like me working and networking for a year, two years was going to give me way more value than going back to school and being taught a bunch of stuff that I felt I might've already known. Um, but yeah, man, there, there's no, uh, no better school than the real world in my opinion. Do you think you would have been as successful if social media wasn't a thing right now? Um, that, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think I don't, here's the thing. I don't know if social media is as big of an influence as is accessibility to technology. Like the fact that you can go to Best Buy and buy a camera for like $500 and you're good. Like, like you can start working mm-hmm. is crazy. Like the barriers to entry 30, 40, 50 years ago were massive. Like today, if you have, you know, a couple thousand dollar camera, like you can shoot commercial quality work. Like it, like it's possible. And that just opens up the market to so many players. And I, I think that's a great thing. I think for me, like that was everything because I was able to make, you know, high quality content at a young age and without like a studio backing me and stuff. So I think more than social media, accessibility to technology is is huge. Yeah, for sure. Well, with the low barriers to entry, um, how would you say you kind of have to separate yourself from other people? Because like you said, you learned about how to use a camera just by using one your whole life. But it seems like if someone can pick one up for $500, like what do they have to do to get their name out there so that they choose you over another person who's doing the exact same thing? Yeah, it's got to yeah, be a pretty competitive like, space, right? Yeah, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, I was watching a documentary a little while ago called Press, Pause, Play, and it's literally all about this. And it's talking about how – it was talking about the music industry specifically and how you know, 50 years ago you had to be noticed to make it into a recording studio and make music. Today, like, a 16-year-old Martin Garrix can make a techno track and in six months be one of the biggest DJs in the world. Yeah. Um, so I, I think – 
what it does is it gives a lot of people accessibility, but I still think the cream of the crop rises to the top. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more than just buying a good camera and using it. I think it's important to understand your craft and know what you're doing. I think the biggest question I get from like younger filmmakers or people who are getting started is like, what camera should I buy? Mm-hmm. And that's like the least important thing in my opinion. Like the most important thing, you know, is understand storytelling and composition and the things that are going to make your projects better than everybody else's. Because like you said, anybody can buy a camera. So like you have to be good at what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of where I at least try to differentiate myself like by, you know, being a good storyteller and understanding branding and kind of trying to separate myself that way. What would you say is the hardest part about your job? Um, the, the, the hardest part I would say is probably loss of creative control. Um, you know, with, with it being a passion, oftentimes you, you have a pretty set idea of what you think you want to do. Um, and if that doesn't line up with a brand or, or if they don't like it, then at the end of the day, they're the client and the client's always right. And sometimes you've got to cater to what they want and that can be difficult. You know, I've had projects where, for example, I had a, a commercial in the fall and, uh, I had done this edit that I thought was really cool. You know, I had put a dope track on it and cut it up real nice and sent it to them and, um, they just didn't have the budget for the licensing for the music, mm-hmm. um, which was like heartbreaking. So they went out and they got somebody to make a custom track to the same edit. Uh, and I just like hated the track so much. Oh, I was man. like, Oh man, this is so bad. And I, like, I think you're also self-critical. Like I showed my friends and they're like, I don't really see the big difference. <laughs> and like, for me, it was the world of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, yeah, just like creative control, just sometimes if, uh, the client wants to change something and you don't at the end of the day, they're going to win that argument. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What was your uh, favorite video or favorite project you've ever worked on? That I've worked on? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know, man. I've had a lot of really fun ones. Um, I would say last year I worked on a project at uh, Western University. Um, Steve was there at the time, actually, as the offensive coordinator. And uh, we put together a recruiting video for them. And uh, that was a ton of fun. Um, We did it with, like, a really small crew. It was a tight budget, so it was just, like, me, an actor, and a DP. And we went out, and we took a weekend in London, shot everything. And, uh, yeah, I think it turned out really well, and it was a fun project. All right, Kevin, at the end of our episodes, we like to give our guests the floor to let everyone know what's going on in your life and where they can find you, social media, your website, all that good stuff. Yeah, so uh, you know, working on some cool stuff coming up, but uh, if anybody wants to reach me, uh, my Instagram is kc.productions. Uh, if you want to email me, it's kevin at kcproductions.video. And uh, yeah, the website's kcproductions.video. So I'm in Toronto, but you know, serving all Southern Ontario and beyond depending on the project. So, yeah, would love to hear from anybody who uh, who's looking for video content. I think what you're doing is awesome. I mean, I love the fact that you took a definitely a unique story you had while at X and turned it into a business. Um, I think it's really authentic. Um, I think what you're doing is really top-notch quality, and so I'm really excited to have you on today. I mean, I loved hearing from you. I learned a lot from you. Like, every guest has a different perspective, so... We're glad to diversify a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Yeah, sweet. And same to you guys, man. Like starting a podcast is, is 
an entrepreneurial pursuit in itself, you know? Um, so it's sweet that you guys are doing this and, uh, I wish you guys the best of luck. Cool. All right. Thanks sweet. a lot, Kevin. Yeah. Thanks guys. And with that, I'm out.